Black News Channel on YouTube. Tonight, we have a very special guest. He's a Stella Award-winning gospel performer, singer, songwriter, producer, and my friend, Mr. Kurt Carr. Clarence, always, a pleasure. always a pleasure. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So the first thing I want to start off with is talking about this CD, Bless okay. Somebody Else. Yeah, um, because they just heard that and, they, and they're wondering what's going on here. First of all, on the title song, you got everybody in gospel on this album, on that title song. Almost everybody, yes. Uh, it was really, really um, a tribute to Dorothy. Dorothy was the woman who stood by my side for 25 years. We met, she got laid off. She was working for BET. And when they closed down the LA office, she got laid off. And she came to volunteer in my office for a week and stayed for 25 years. She was wow. my life partner. We did everything together. She, she ran my life, literally. And she passed away suddenly of a heart attack. And uh, it really devastated me. And from that time, I was really thinking how I could pay tribute to her. And when I wrote that song, I'd never met a more selfless person than she. And when I wrote that song, Bless Somebody Else, I said, this is, this is the, her life story. So I reached out to Smokey because Smokey Norfolk was a Kurt Carr singer. People don't know that before he became Smokey. And, and Erica Campbell was in the choir when I recorded For Every Mountain. So that's how far back we go. And so I asked those two and then it just blossomed and snowballed. I got Wes Morgan, my, my nephew, Miles Caton, who he's, 14 now but he's like a viral sensation on the internet he's been singing with me since he was three mm. so miles west morgan fred hammond faith evans yolanda adams um smoky norfolk erica campbell john key um Ja'Kalen carr bishop morton um zacardi cortez and Kiki Wyatt and Bishop Jakes all on one song. And it was I think, a really great message leading into the pandemic that we got to help each other. And that's how we've all made it, just by leaning on our friends and, and people from the outside helping us and you know guiding us through this. So I think it was really kind of prophetic that that song came out when it did. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the uh, pandemic. How has that affected you personally? How has it changed your day, your routine? Well, man, it really, um, I'm kind of a loner anyway. I'm kind of a 
person that spends a lot of time alone because what I do, I have to hear God. Like people are, are like, how do you come up with all these songs and how do you make songs that reach people the way you do? And it's because I spend a lot of time alone and listening to God, but it got to the point was like, okay, now <laughs> it's enough. You know, it's really been trying not much um, singing, not much uh, opportunities to travel and go out, which is really, really devastating you know when that's what your whole life yeah. is but we made it through but it's taught us to trust god even more and it looks like we're on the almost on the other side of it right with the vaccines and everything so, right 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 so do you miss not going to church or are you okay with the online services i don't really like the online <laughs> services. I mean, we got to do what we got to do i mean but isn't that what our people have always done we've always taken you know our situation and made the best out of it we made some chitlins <laughs> so we exactly. create, you know we create opportunity out of what we have so it's you know um amazing that we've not had to stop church but i think it's going to make people want to get back to church even more now when this is over yeah yeah hey you mentioned it just a, a snippet about your songwriting you know habits so in the sanctuary how did that come about well, you know, it's crazy, Clarence. Um, we the Awesome Wonder album that that it's on. Uh, we had been rehearsing for like five months, and uh, we recorded on a Saturday night. And on Thursday, one of our final rehearsals, I said, oh, "I got this idea for a little praise and worship song, just a warm up song." We lift our hands in the sanctuary and we will pray you for the rest of our day. That was the whole thing. And we just kept modulating, modulating. And it was okay. And then we went on and started rehearsing. The next day, Yvette Williams, who's the lady that sings for Every Mountain, her daughter was about six at the time. She said, Kurt, my daughter will not stop singing that song. And you know, kids are honest. You know, kids are like, I'm like, Am I sure? They're like, yes. <laughs> you know, kids are so honest. And um, I said, hmm. And I taught it to the band on Friday and we recorded it on Saturday. And over a million, you know, copies later and hundreds of languages have has been translated into hundreds of languages that it was just one of those things. It was just God breathed. It, you know, it wasn't anything I did or sat down and really spent a lot of time doing. Mm. Mm, okay. But I was crazy when I wrote them. I got one more song the night before. The, the band thought I was insane. Okay. But God was right. <laughs> okay. All right. And how about For Every Mountain? Where did that come from? For Every Mountain, um, Richard Smallwood has a song called For This, um, for this, that's called uh, Total Praise. No, it's not Total Praise. No, no. I think it's called I Give You Praise. Okay. I give you praise. And the last line is, and it's very short. And I was going to do it one Sunday. I was music director at West Angeles Church in Los Angeles. Everyone knows West Angeles Church of God in Christ with Bishop Blake. And um, I wanted to do that song. And it's short. It's only like three minutes long. And, you know, Black Church, we need a vamp. You know, we need a vamp to sing for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know. <laughs> and I was like, why do I give you praise? And I just wrote down for every mountain. Bravo. That was it. And that's how that song was birthed. 
and we sang it at the church. And I remember that particular Sunday, people were laying in the floor, people were running out of the church. It was just like such a God. Celebrities, I'm not gonna say who they are, but some major celebrities were like crying and laying in the floor. It was a move of God like I've never seen before. And about three years later, uh, when we did the No One Else album, I, I gave that song to Yvette and I wrote the front. The, I got so much. I added it to the vamp, but the song for Every Mountain, we had been singing it for three years. Wow, amazing, amazing. Now, I gotta you, get my best work when I don't really try too hard. Okay, okay. Now, you were not really raised in church per se. How did you find God? find God for yourself? I mean, how did that journey happen? Well, I, I will say in defense of my family, we, we were raised with godly principles. My mother, my mother was not a religious person, as we call religious, and not church going. We went to church usually once. Well, I will say we were CME members, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. But usually we okay. just went on Easter, but my mm -hmm. mother, taught us godly principles. She never taught us to see people for their color or for their race and to, to, to treat everyone right, to, li to live with love. So we were raised with godly principles, but I just did not have the experience of church. And when I was 14, we moved around the corner from the church that we go to on Easter. I really believe God moved me to my destiny. If we opened mm -hmm. up my back door, I could see inside the church. Hopewell Baptist wow. Church in Connecticut. Wow. And one Sunday, one Sunday, I just asked my mother, could I go to church? By myself, I went and I started going back and back and back and back. And eventually my brother started coming and my mother started coming. Who She had kind of gotten wounded in church, I think. And eventually she started coming to church and being faithful mm. to church. And God used me as a child to bring my family to the Lord. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So now you also study music at a college yeah. in Connecticut. University, University of Connecticut. Okay. Okay. And I also studied at Hart School of Music, which is where one of my favorite artists of all time, Miss Dion Warwick, studied. Um, I didn't do my undergraduate there. I took lessons there. But of course, everywhere in the school is Dionne Warwick this and Dionne Warwick that. And to the point where I had posters of her in my dorm at University of Connecticut. And it, it was a rumor that she was my auntie. <laughs> and I never told anybody she wasn't. I didn't say she was, but I didn't say she wasn't. Okay. And, um, Followed in her footsteps. And my mother said, if you're gonna study music, be a lot, if you're gonna be in music, be like Dionne Warwick and get an education. And I did, and I studied, got my bachelor's uh, in music at University of Connecticut. Okay, okay. Um, let's go back a little bit. Well, let's go forward. Andre Crouch, you worked, you worked with him. Is there a song related to Andre Crouch on this current album? Well, I did. Um, and an intro, um, God, once I make an album, I never listen to it again. So I gotta bring it back to my memory. That That's true. Once I make an album, I never listen to it again. But in the <laughs> intro, I do some hymns and I talk. Andre and I were, he was one of my mentors and um, I spent time with him right up until he died. I just made time, every time I had a free weekend, I'd go to LA and just, 
sit by his bed and ask him questions. Where were you when you wrote to God be the glory? Uh, just, I mean, I have uh, just a wealth of knowledge from him of you know how his career was. And we were watching Carol Burnett of all things laughing. And he said, Kirk Carr, promise me that you will keep Jesus in the music. Don't sell out. Keep the name and its name is so important to what we do. And um, I came up with this song, I'll Make Sure You're Lifted Up. In the beginning, I do a tribute to Andre with some hymns and stuff. So that's how that came about. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. Now then, James Cleveland, your other mentor. First of all, before, before you answer my, my question, so did you watch the Aretha? Uh, oh, yeah. I did, and that guy who played James Cleveland, spot on, spot yes. on. Yes, I didn't know Reverend Cleveland at that point, but um, I saw the movie, the Amazing Grace movie, and I, because I had never seen Reverend Cleveland, he was just young and vibrant. So I'm glad I got to see it. That man, he, from the um, the verbiage, the stuff James Cleveland said to his mannerisms, he he was really good. Yeah. To the lisp and the in the lisp and his voice and, the, and everything. Exactly. exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But what did you learn from him? What did oh you learn? Goodness. I'm sure things. a lot. Um, amazing, because I was from, I'm from Connecticut, you know, and I just gotten out of music school and I was, you know, Mozart, Beethoven and all that stuff. And I learned from this man who couldn't read music at all. Hmm. You know, basically played in like two keys um who just had this phenomenal feel for music and i learned number one more than anything he knew how to make minister, music minister to people i'll never forget walter hawkins saying i'm just amazed that this man could not sing he said but he he said i never want to sing after james cleveland because he's that he was amazing just the and his interpretation of music i learned about um, he was very professional in that um, I remember one time when I was playing for him on tour, I was late and I went downstairs and they were gone. I was late once because he almost fired me for being late one time. He was not, he said, I'm, well, I'm going to be late to go get my money. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, 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 well, I'm going to be late to go get my paycheck. <laughs> so I learned that from him and how to make music minister and how eventually I learned he could make take a song and make it his own. And in watching the Aretha, the Aretha uh, docuseries, she did the same thing. They Back in the day, they called it stealing your song. <laughs> but it wasn't stealing, it was just interpreting and making a song your own. And that's what I think I've learned from him. Um, I don't think my music sounds anything like him, but my approach to it and how I approach audiences and stuff is a lot. It's a lot of James Cleveland in me. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Let's move on to, to something else a little bit. Still in music, your favorite female singer is a jazz legend. Tell me about her. <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald, man. Mm -hmm. I, I really think she's, the greatest singer, you know, 
her and Aretha. I mean, but you can't even compare them because they're so different. But as far as just a voice, Ella Fitzgerald was absolutely amazing. Of course, when I was young, I got turned on to her, I think maybe when I was like 15 or 16, I was all about the scatting, you know, the intricacy of that. But as I got older, it was like the tone of her voice and how she could just sing anything, like anything jazz oriented. I didn't really care too much when she started trying to be soulful because she didn't, she wasn't soulful. She wasn't, she didn't no. have soul. No. But as far as um, ability and tone and um, little did I know Clarence, my best friend, her parents lived on Sunset Boulevard and I'd always wanted to meet Ella. I'd never met her. She lived around the corner from them. Cause when she died, I went to her estate sale and I, I snuck up, they had part of the house roped off. I snuck up and I sat on her bed. <laughs> I didn't get in her bed, but I sat on her bed in her bedroom. I was like, this is my And I bought some things and this is an amazing story. I don't know if I told you, but at that time I didn't really have a lot of money when she passed. And I bought a few trinkets and um, this was actually in her home at an estate sale. And they had some tweed suitcases. And I think there were two of them, but I only had enough money to buy one. And they, they said, well, they make 50 bucks. They were rusted. The lock was rusted. It was the old combination lock to open it. Yeah. So they, they couldn't open. But because it was tweed and they were probably from the 40s, Eventually they started to fray and deteriorate and it opened and I reached my hand in there and there was a bag in there. Opened it up, it was some of her jewelry. So that authenticates it, but also earrings. I gave one pair to Natalie Cole and letters that she wrote to Norman Grants, her manager. Like mm -hmm. treasure, treasure. Yeah. Wow, it sounds like it. Wow, wow. Now I'll never sell it. It's just you know to know that yeah. it was her. Yeah. Did Did you ever have a favorite song by her that you like, or remember the first time you no, heard them? I can't. I mean, I remember being blown away by "How High the Moon" on the Berlin album, where she scattered of course but then with the mac the knife forgetting the words and all that but i i think that's when i really fell in love with her and i as a kid honestly i mean i did stuff you know i got you know mom i'm a black child so i got beat <laughs> but uh, i never really caused my mother any problems i never did the worst thing i ever did was i told her i was going on a field trip and i took the bus to boston to see her <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. I, I didn't even tell her till I was like well into my 40s. He would okay. But yeah, I lived in Hartford and Ella was in Boston with Oscar Peterson. Ooh. And I took Ooh, the bus yeah. to see the two of them. And I probably was the youngest person there, but I was just in awe of her ability. And um, so, you know, did, I don't think my music sounds like her or I can't, definitely can't sing like her, but it's just seeing. When you see, like in watching Aretha, some things God only does once. And Ella Fitzgerald was one of those things. Wow. Never be anybody like that, never.
Wow. Okay. Let's come back to your music now. That, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I read that you said that Kirk Franklin brings people to church, but you, Kurt Carr, you feed them. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, what first of all, um, my real name is Kirk. Oh, oh, my okay. Kirk Douglas. My real name and my mother named me after the actor. And okay. she spelled it wrong because she used to call him Kirk Douglas. And the nurse came and told my mother, you know, um, we should change it because it's supposed to be K-I-R-K. And I told her, she said, nah, just leave it. And I told her God knew that there was going to be two short Kirks that sing gospel. <laughs> yeah. And we were on the same label. Um, so, of course, in the beginning, we got compared a lot. And um, I've always supported Kirk Franklin and what he's done. I literally had the cassette um, in my hand that Vicki Mac let me hear of the reason why I sang before she signed it. She said, what do you think? I said, that's an amazing song. And um, so of course it was comparison and, and, I, and I told somebody in an interview, it really came to me like, he's an evangelist. He goes out and reaches people in the world. He, you know, cause of his swagger and his, you know, his dancing and his thing appeal to the secular audience. Um, he can attract people I wouldn't attract. And, but once they get to church, they have to be fed. So. That's what I do. That's what you do. All right. All right. Now, Kirk Franklin has been in the news lately about cursing at his son and all that. Do you have any any thoughts about that situation or, or nope. not? Okay. And that is all. <laughs> that was a very Mr. Franklin answer, huh? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moving right along. Moving right Your along. Book. Moving right along. Your book. Are you how's that coming along? Are you still trying to write it yeah. or? I, I haven't actually, I'm making outlines of what happens in my life, um, but I, I would like to write a book. And when I do interviews and, and certain topics come up, I realize, oh, I do have a lot of experience. I tell people I watched the changing of the guard of gospel. When I started playing for James Cleveland in 19, I think it was 86 or something like that. Um, we, we would go on tour. We'd start in Florida and end up in New York in a van one night at a time for 31 nights. Mm. And we would finish singing. We would finish singing and we would get in the van and drive. Each one of us would have to drive four hours, whatever. And I went from that to being at Gospel Centric and watching Kirk Franklin success just totally become commercial and we started flying first class and staying in suites and per diem james cleveland said per diem is that a french word what that be? what is per diem i don't pay you to eat i pay you to play the piano. okay okay <laughs> so okay I, okay i watched the changing of the guard and with him i met um i met um um Raymond Raspberry, the Raymond Raspberry singers. I met some of the Clara Ward singers. I met Dorothy Lovecoats. Of course, I knew all the caravans, but those pioneers, I saw them. But then I saw rappers come into gospel and what Kirk Franklin did. So I watched, I watched it change. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now so that's gonna be in my book. 
Say it again. That's going to be in my book. And also what's going to be in my book is how you have to be nice. Listen to me, artists. You have to treat everybody cool. I had never seen Aretha Frank. Never seen her. Um, and she came to LA because she doesn't fly. <laughs> and she hadn't been there in 20 years. So everybody was there. It was at the Greek theater outdoors. And I was so excited. I was clean. I went and got some brand new Dolce Gabbana shoes. Brand new. They were bad too. And I'm sitting there and this man is coming by. <laughs> and he stepped on my brand new Dolce Gabbana shoes. <laughs> but you know what? I was like, this is a Reese Franklin's concert. It's all good. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I said, In my head, I was like, dude, but I was really nice to the dude, sat next to me through the whole Rita concert. And during the intermission, a mutual friend of ours said, hey, Kurt. And he was like, you know that guy? I was like, no. She said, that's Clarence Waldron from Jet. I was like, Ugh. if I had said to him what I was thinking. <laughs> we, we would but, never yeah. be here today. We would never be here today. Oh, my career might have been over because you did a cover story on me on in Ebony. Oh God, I yeah. forgot about I forgot about that. And you will remember that. You will remember that. I will remember that. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. But now, so who do you listen to when you are in need, when you need comfort, when you need mm -hmm. to hear from God? Because you don't play your music at all once you once you've done no, it. No, I don't. I understand that. Yeah. So when I, um, when I listen to a lot of artists. I mean, I, did, I really do a, a variety of them, the new ones, the older ones. Um, I find myself gravitating to, I love Walter Hawkins songs. It's so comforting. But um, recently, I just been through some really, really, really tough things in the last few years. I, in one year, I buried 16 people close to me, like including my mother and Dorothy. And a lot of my friends say, go back and listen to, and they wrote down a list of some of my songs. And they, you know, they spoke to me. And um, mm. that's a good thing. I'm, I'm so glad. I, I recently just got a letter from an, a singer that I know that's an amazing artist. I won't say who it was, but um, she was just telling me that she was ready. And I, I'm not, even better than that story, a woman who was one of the ministers at our church, and I didn't really know her. She had four children. And one day we sang, I Almost Let Go, the song I wrote. And she asked the pastor, could she go? She said, I have to testify. And, you know, God moved to the service and she told us in front of everybody that she had went in the woods to kill her children and herself because <laughs> her life was that, I can't leave my children. She was going to kill her children and herself. And that song came on the radio. That wow. was life changing for me. That was that was it. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So yeah. 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 How about a scripture? Powerful. Music is yeah. powerful. Yeah. It, it can change you. It can change. Change the environment. Change you. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I see her kids, now they're they're, you know, they're they're early. Their adolescence now, I tell myself, you're responsible for their life, you know. And that song in particular, I almost let go, was at a very dark place in my life. 
And it really kind of turned my career around as a writer because it was the first time in a song I had really been honest about me. Mm -hmm. That I literally was at the point of giving up, but God wouldn't let me. And I think that was what led me to, to, to know, you know what, the lyrics are so important. Because I studied music, it was all about how intricate the songs could be. And I still do that. But ultimately, it's the message. Like James Cleveland would take a, like, God has smiled on me. That's the whole words to a song. And he would minister to that till people would just be slain in the spirit and over, overcome by emotion, but also come out of their situation. So music wow. is powerful. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, how about the scripture? any scriptures that you like when you're not when you're not feeling well or not doing well and you know one there's one there's one that i've been really really been in my spirit for like this whole especially pandemic it's in first corinthians i believe it's 10 and 13 and it basically says that there's nothing that happens to you that's not common to man okay so you ain't going through nothing ain't nobody else been through said but god is faithful that number one, he won't let you, this, put, this is the scripture where he won't put more on you than he can bear, than you can bear. That's where that script, that phrase comes from, that God will not let you be tempted beyond that which you're able to bear. But the good thing is that in the midst of it, he makes a way of escape that you'll be able to bear. So like, you know, during this pandemic, I'm like, I can't take this, but I remember God's gonna make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. Mm. Okay, all right. Last question, of course, anything you want to share with us? Anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you or you want to tell us about? No, I mean, just thank you for this opportunity and congratulations on another player. And this is my first time seeing you since you were saying, you look great. Look at God. <laughs> look at God, look at God. Look at God no. I got a testimony, I got yep. a testimony. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you.